today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. the day that we're going to rejoice, where there's going to be security, where there's going to be standing. See, it's the story of God's grace. None of us, not one of us, deserves to sit at the table, for it's by grace, it's by grace you have been saved, not by works, grace. Reaching up high with arms open Changing our lives so we can be our heads and feet. We all have weaknesses and imperfections that, had it not been for Jesus, would have kept us from sitting at the Lord's table. But because of Christ's righteousness and the Lord's great kindness, grace has rained down upon us and opened heaven's doors. In today's message, Pastor Ed encourages us that because of Jesus, we can sit and eat with Him at His table, knowing full well that in Him, our insufficiencies are covered. Because of the King's grace, we've been saved. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, The Grace of the King. Building in faith. David now, sitting on the throne, 15 years after the death of Jonathan, And King Saul, David, now is remembering. And he says, is there anyone left? This is an undeserved gift of grace that this portion of Scripture displays because he's going to find a young man by the name of Melphibosheth. Melphibosheth is David's son, Jonathan. And when Jonathan... And Saul lost their lives on the battlefield. The nurse who was taking care of this five-year-old child panicked. Now, she knew the practice of the Philistines to completely wipe out the lineage of the king. She knew that their lives were in danger. So she took Melphibosheth in her arms, traveling over the rocky countryside, slipped, and he fell out of her arms, dashed his legs against the rocks. You could hear perhaps the ankles snap and break, and the legs break, and they never mended correctly, and he was a cripple. Now, there were people who took compassion on him. They were of the political leanings of Saul. And so he found refuge in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar was sort of on the outskirts. It was where nobody would find you because he didn't want to be found. It was in a desert area. And here Melphibosheth grew up in obscurity. He grew up hiding from David He grew up making sure that no one would know where he was. 
And you're going to see that there's an undeserved gift of grace that comes his way. If you look at chapter 7, you're going to see the inspiration in David's life to give this gift. In chapter 7, verse 18, David is in God's presence, and God gives him an incredible promise. He said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless your children. I'm going to bless your posterity. David's overwhelmed with it. And in verse 18, he says, then King David went and sat before the Lord. He said, who am I? O sovereign Lord, what is my family that you have brought me this far? See, David was allowing God to work in his heart. He was allowing grace to have its impact in his life. When grace has its impact in our life, it makes us grateful. A grateful person is a person who understands God's grace to them. Now, he could have looked at his life in this way. Do you know what I went through? Years in the wilderness. Saul chasing me. Living on the backside of a desert. Living in caves. It's about time, God, you paid me off for that. I've been faithful, God. It's about time you took care of me, God. That wasn't his attitude. Because grace had done its work. He said, you know, God, I was a nobody. I was a shepherd boy, the least in my family. I wasn't of royal lineage, but you took me out and you put me on a throne. See, when grace works in our heart, it opens our eyes and opens our heart to be grateful for the blessings. For those who allow grace to work in their heart, they see the hand of God in their darkest night and in their most difficult days and in their most difficult times. And David is of that tribe where he recognized, God, you brought me a mighty long way. God, I remember what you've done for me in the past. I remember how you protected me and how you've led me and how you've guided me. And and David is overwhelmed at God's work in his life. I'd like to watch new Christians, how utterly amazed they are at the grace of God. And we should never lose that amazement. In fact, Martin Lloyd-Jones said that's the test of spirituality. Martin Lloyd-Jones said the ultimate test of our spirituality is the measure of our amazement at the grace of God. And so he's inspired by what God had done for him. Is there anybody here inspired about what God has done in their life? I mean, when you didn't think you could make it, God came in and he intervened. And when you didn't think maybe you'd pull through a surgery and you pull through the surgery, David looks back and he's amazed at the grace of God. It's an inspiration to him, but it's also something else. It's the intention of grace. Here's the intention. Look what he says. Now, three times in this text, he uses the word kindness. I want to show kindness to one of Jonathan's sons. I want to show kindness 
And that word can be translated, and it is most often translated the word mercy. It means love and kindness. It carries with it the thought of God's graciousness. But in verse 3 it says, And the king said, Is there not yet any in the house of Saul that I might show what? The kindness of what? God unto him. In the end analysis, you recognize that that phone call that your brother and sister made in that time of need was the good hand of God stirring their hearts. You recognized that gift that helped you out financially was the good hand of God moving on one of his children to help you in that time of need. Ultimately, every good and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, the Bible tells us. It's a gift from God. And you recognize, God, you've done so much for me, and what you want to do is show God to others. You want others to see God's goodness and God's greatness and recognize. And that's what David is doing. Now, that's really important because I want you to put yourself in Melchizedek's shoes, if he wore them. Here he is, a young child, and he's crippled. And a crippled person in Israel is considered an outcast. I mean, you didn't even want to touch a cripple. Not in Israel. It was somehow considered the judgment of God. And here he was, embarrassed in an isolated part of the country. People worried for his life. And the years go by, and he hears the stories. You know, stories, well, once your grandfather, he was king, and Jonathan was prince. He remembered those things vaguely. He was only a tot as he was growing up. He was a young person as he was growing up. So he remembers the court and he remembers those good days. But they had long since passed. And now, wherever he went, he had to be carried. Wherever he traveled, he needed help. He was dependent on others. He very easily could have, as he heard the story of the Philistines, and then he heard the stories of David, the stories that were told him of the contention between David's house and Saul's house and all of those things. And then he hears about the death of Saul's family members, his own relatives. He could be looking at David and hating David. Wondering about David, saying it's all David's fault. That's the way the enemy works. That's what Satan will do. And so here is this young man. He's 20 years old now. By the time in chapter 9 we meet him. And not only are his legs mangled, but his soul, his heart his spirit mangled as well. But he's going to meet grace. 
He's going to meet God's grace that's going to change him. See, God's grace had changed David, and David's going to be a conduit of that grace. I like what E. Stanley Jones, the missionary, said. Grace binds you with far stronger cords than the cords of duty or obligation can bind you. Grace is free. But when once you take it, you are bound forever, the giver, and bound to catch the spirit of the giver. Like produces like. Grace makes you gracious. The giver makes you give. He's going to meet the grace of God in the life of David. And he's going to receive something he'll never forget. It's an un paralleled gift of grace he's going to receive. In verse 7, they bring Melchizedek to Jerusalem. And I could imagine he's, he's trembling, thinking, I'm going to lose my head. I'm going to be history. This is it for me. Even though the soldiers who were taking him were kind and generous to him, but when he gets there, he said, oh, I guess they're kind to a dying man. So he gets there into the court of David, into the palace, and he falls on his face. And what is David going to say to him? The unparalleled gift of grace, verse 7, don't be afraid. That's what God is going to say to him. Excuse me, the unexpected gift of grace. So King David had him brought from Lodabar when Melchizedek son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David. He bowed down to pay him honor. And David said, Melchizedek, your servant, he replied, don't be afraid. David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. It was unexpected. Now this is his attitude when he gets into the court. I don't deserve anything. He uses a derogatory term concerning himself. A term that would be used by Jews when they would speak down to someone or speak lowly about someone. Verse 8 in the New Living Translation it reads, Melchizedek bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? All of us. When we stand before Almighty God, recognized that we've been affected by a fall. We've been mangled. We've been broken. We know that we know that we know that sin has impacted the way we think, our attitude, our actions. It has impacted everything about us. And we walk sometimes through life with a limp. Or we all have our defects. There, Melchizedek is in the house of David. And he realizes, I could lose my life. But he's going to be blessed by David. Why is he going to be blessed by David? Something that he did. Maybe it's... His good looks, maybe it's his valiant spirit. No, not at all. It's because of a promise he made to Jonathan. It's because of a vow he made to Jonathan. 
I want to stop here and just go back for a moment. I want to ask you, are there promises that you've made that maybe the years of time have pushed to the back of your mind and you no longer remember? It was 15 years before David remembered after the death of Jonathan this promise that he had made years earlier to Jonathan. Sometimes the vows of a wedding in the midst of all the responsibilities of a marriage, (laughs) dirty diapers, meals to cook, bills to pay, vows Promises forgotten. Sometimes a promise made to a parent concerning one of your siblings. Sometimes a promise made at the altars to God. A promise, a vow said, hear God. And the sands of time seem to erase them from our minds. Let the Holy Spirit take you back to that place that you made that promise, that vow, that commitment. And maybe today, maybe this week, you'll remember a promise made to someone who went home to be with the Lord. They're no longer here. Like Greta was mentioning earlier, just a word that Pastor D said to her from 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be Steadfast and faithful, always abounding in the work of the Lord. What promise might God bring to your mind this morning? Here's Melphibosheth. What is he going to add to the table? What is he going to contribute to that? There's Absalom combing his hair, there's Solomon reading his books. And there's Melphibosheth with lame legs. But you didn't see him because they were under the table. And you don't see the brokenness, the lameness, the frailties because they're under this table. Everything that Melphibosheth would get is a gift from God. Everything was because of the promise given to Jonathan. What an analogy. Everything that you and I have is not because of our 401 or 403. It's not because of our good looks or our good abilities or talents. It's because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. It's because of what Christ purchased for us. It's because of his shed blood. The Father looks at us and brings us into the family and sits us at the table. That's the promise that we have. I like what John R.W. Stott said. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Isn't that your story? Isn't that my story? Isn't that our song? He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. This is unparalleled grace. It's not only unexpected. 
I mean, he couldn't have expected that was something to happen before he was ever born. But it was unparalleled. Again, the text says, don't be afraid. David said to him, I'll surely show you kindness for the sake of who? Jonathan, your father. I'll restore all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. And Melchizedek lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was crippled in both feet. That's how the chapter ends. That's the last verse. The writer, the historian wants you to know that God, through his grace, invited a broken man to the table of the king. This was security. This was security for Mephibosheth. He was in poverty, and now he said, I'm going to restore all the land of Saul to you. I'm going to restore everything that your grandfather had. And I'm going to take care of having somebody work that land for you, Ziba. He's going to come and he's going to give you all of the profit from that. He was going to be protected. Now, he was protected by the king. Now, what I find interesting, if you go to the end of sort of the days of Mephibosheth, Absalom betrays David and Mephibosheth stays in the city and someone says, oh, he thought he was going to become king and he was trying to betray you, David. And David comes back and hears Mephibosheth's side of the story and he said, Mephibosheth, you are at my table. You're staying there. And the story writer never tells us which story was true, Mephibosheth or Ziba. He never tells us which story was true. And I think that's intentional because he wants us to know that Melchizedek was there by grace and grace alone. He's at the table. He has a new standing as well. He's now like one of the king's sons. Now, he can't stand physically, but he is certainly standing in stature. Because in verse 11... So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like what? One of the king's sons. So he'd be at the table, and he'd be there every day, three meals. He'd be getting his pension, and then he'd be talking. David, tell me about Jonathan again, my father. Tell me about your exploits with him. Every day, he got to sit at the king's table. Every day, he got to hear David speak when David was there. He was at the king's table. You've been invited to a greater king's table. His name is King Jesus. And someday you're going to be seated there with Abraham. You're going to be seated there with Isaac. You're going to be seated there with Jacob. You're going to be seated there with Pastor Damiani. You're going to be seated there with Pastor Elliot. You're going to be seated there with 10,000 of his saints. And we are going to be seen as perfect because his righteousness covers us at that table. That's the day that we're going to rejoice, where there's going to be security, where there's going to be standing. See, it's the story of God's grace. None of us, not one of us, deserves to sit at the table. For it's by grace, it's by grace, you have been saved. 
not by works. Grace, God's grace, amazing grace. As Dr. Ed Jones continues to take us on a journey through the story of David, we continue to learn more about what a life lived for God can look like. David wasn't perfect by any means, but God used him in powerful ways, and he can use you too. We do hope that you've been blessed by today's message on Building in Faith and invite you to visit our website to learn more about our ministry. Our web address is buildinginfaithradio.com. There you'll find an archive of previous messages available to listen to or download or even share with someone you feel will be impacted by the message. Be sure to find us on Facebook as well by searching for Faith AG2. We know how important social media is in people's lives today and by liking us on Facebook, you can keep up to date with all that's happening at Faith Assembly. We'd also like to invite you to join us if you're in the Poughkeepsie area for our weekly time of fellowship, Bible teaching, and worship of our Savior. We meet each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and also on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and have many activities for all ages and all walks of life. Give us a call for directions and to find out more about our congregation at 845-462-5955. Sadly, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us again here on Building in Faith Radio as Pastor Ed continues to dig deeper into the Word of God, sharing with us new chapters in David's story. Your word restores it.